0: Welcome to the Granary Church podcast. We're happy you could join us. For more information on the Granary Church, head to granary.org.au or follow our socials at the Granary Church. Welcome everyone. Great to be here with you all today and um, what a joyous community we have here. So we're into a whole series on getting into shape, which doesn't necessarily mean physical shape. You can Work out your own plan. Don't come to me for your health plan for how to get into shape. Go to Hannah. has run how many marathons, Hannah? Four marathons, yeah. Is anyone else run four marathons here? Someone? Who has? Mark. Well done. Hannah and Mark, talk to them if you want to know about getting into shape. I did do Hannah's couch to five and I went back to the couch. It's fun. She's a good teacher. So we're talking about a different sort of shape, and this is the shape that comes from within. And uh, as, you, as we come here today to talk about this, um, it's a different way of doing this. And I, I've, I just want to say to us that I, someone said to me once, you know, when they come to church, they have this idea that if the God who created the entire universe wants to speak personally to us, maybe I should take notes. So he'd come every Sunday with his notebook and take notes because he think, I really, I really need to listen. And so um, I was reading recently, I did a really poor explanation of this this morning because I'm not a scientist, but I read just recently that there's been this discovery of a massive ring. Did anyone hear about this in somewhere out in the universe and beyond? Just recently, like this year we're still in January. I'm going to read what it says actually. The big ring that's been discovered by Alexia Lopez, a PhD student at the University of Central Lancashire, is a ring-shaped large-scale structure formed by galaxies and galaxy clusters with a diameter of 1.3 billion light years located 9.2 billion light years away. It was discovered this month by Alexia Lopez, a PhD student who happened just to fall upon it when she was looking for something else. And uh, scientists are now looking at this discovery and saying, well, this confuses us as to how the universe works now. It's all a mystery. Isn't that amazing? It's a mystery again. And uh, the greatest brains writing about it don't understand it. So when I think of the God who created that... And likes to surprise us when you think just when you think it ha- you had it all worked out, Alexia discovers something that says you didn't, you don't understand it. So if we're listening to a God who knows all of that, let's listen. Let's really listen. Let's take it as a moment not to think how long is this message going to go for. Let's think about maybe if I ask God to open the eyes of my heart and to open my spiritual ears, I might hear something. And you don't have to try to do that. You just have to ask him to give you the ability to do that. So I'm going to pray that for you. And if you agree, you just say amen and let's see what God does. So Father, we thank you that you, this God who created this amazing world that we live in, bigger than we can imagine, loves each one of us with an everlasting love. He's interested in the depths of our being. He's interested to rescue our souls, to know us, to love us. So Father... Thank you that you want to speak to us. And we pray that you'll open the ears of our hearts, the eyes of our hearts. May we see you more clearly. May we have a greater revelation of who we are. May we hear you speaking to us personally. And may we have the courage to respond. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, a passage I want to read this morning is the one that Mel read during the worship time which was amazing because when she first read it earlier this morning during the worship time, I was, wow! how about that? Because she and I didn't collude on this. Of all the passages in the whole Bible, we both choose the same one on the same day, and I don't think it's a coincidence. So I would say let's listen. And uh, this is what it says, Philippians 4, 4 to 9. Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, Rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything. But in every situation, by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, Think about such things. Whatever you have learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put it into practice, and the God of peace will be with you. Now, when you read that, when you start reading the the Bible, you have to have an understanding of the character and nature of God. Sometimes you can take passages just out of context. And because we've all been raised with a skewed view of God, every single one of us, And every single one of us will go on a journey to actually really know who he is because of that you may read passages in the scripture from a skewed view of god perspective does that make sense it's like have you ever read an email or a text message and you can't get the intonation so you don't actually you can be offended or upset because you didn't hear what they're actually trying to say It's a a funny thing. And and if you know the heart of the person, you can work it out. But sometimes if you don't know the heart, you're trying to read what the heart is. And it's like um, once one of my sons, Caleb, was working, was doing a film for Baptist World Aid and he had to go to um, Bangladesh. And he flew through Thailand and there was some uprising in Bangladesh. And so they're trying to work out was it safe for him to go into Bangladesh. And so he's waiting in Bangkok for approval to go in and um, because I have one son who's passed away and we've gone through that journey of grief but then there's this time that comes this might sound really weird if you have more but we do say to each other at times you're not allowed to die okay and we so Caleb's over there and he's texting me about what's happening and then I send a text saying don't you dare die and um, it's meant to be a bit of a joke don't you dare die so only go in there if it's safe but he replies who is this Because my kids over the years have had habits of when they grab my phone, send a message to one of my other children saying something like, you're hopeless or you're lazy or something like that. So they reply, oh, no, that's not mum. Okay. So he replies, who is this? I go, it's mum. It's not mum. Who is it? Josh. (laughs) No, it's mum. He goes, I don't believe it's mum. So I ring him. I said, Caleb, it's me. He goes, what are you saying? I'm saying, I don't want you to die. Don't go to Bangladesh if you're going to die. And he goes, oh, okay, now I can hear your intonation. Okay, I don't know what he thought. I don't know. I can't remember what he thought. But anyway, was after texting back and forth, back and forth, trying to prove it's me, once he heard the intonation, he goes, oh, now I know what you mean, mum. So if you don't know the heart of God, you can read this um, as a list of rules to follow you're not sure why you're following them. So you really need a really good why behind because this is a list of things to do. And if you don't know what why you're doing it, you will do it because you have to. It's like when I used to teach senior school English, I would have a lot of students, particularly boys, would say, why do we have to do this? And uh, why do we have to learn Hamlet? Or why do we have to read Jane Austen novels? And, um, Yeah, I know some of you are horrified by that. It's (laughs) dreadful. But um, it has been said before what I have to read read Jane Austen novels. And um, actually after the first service, one of my students came up and it was a girl and she said, actually, I never finished reading Emma by Jane Austen either. I have to confess it now. I think she graduated about 10 years ago. And finally confessed her sin. So um, anyway, but uh, but they needed a good why. See, the why could be, well, look, you have to actually. Because compulsory, it's the only compulsory subject. In the HSC, if you don't do it, you'll fail and your life will be miserable. That's why you have to do it. But it's not a very good answer. So um, because if you fail, your life won't be miserable and um, and you just do Hamlet with the wrong attitude. But if someone gives you a better answer, it can motivate you to do it. So what I used to like to say, whether you think this is a good answer or not, this is what I used to say, I'd say to them, we're actually studying how language influences hearts and minds and societies and people and language is very clever if you don't understand how language works one day you can be easily manipulated by language oh okay I'll study it there's a reason it's one of many reasons everyone needs a good why and you need a good why as to why when you read the scripture you should do it otherwise you may do it with the wrong reason and it Nothing will happen. Because if you're doing it because you think, oh, this will make God love me more, wrong. If you do it because you think if I get enough brownie points, God might answer my prayer, no, if that's your why. If you do it because you think other people will think I'm really great, you might think, no, no one thinks that. Yes, lots of people think that. Lots of people do things so that everyone thinks they're really great. So, you might think I might do it or God, won't, God will be angry with me if I don't. So let's get a good why. Now, in Psalm 136, we've got to understand the, the, the whole picture of the Scriptures to understand the heart of God. In Psalm 136, so a psalm is essentially a song, and this song has a refrain that's repeated over and over and over and over. And it says this, Give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. And then the refrain says, His love endures forever. And when they were first seeing this, everyone would have sung that. His love endures forever. Give thanks to the God of gods. His love endures forever. Give thanks to the Lord of lords. His love endures forever. To him who alone does great wonders, his love endures forever. Who's by his understanding made the heavens, his love endures forever who spread out the earth upon the waters. His love endures forever. And it goes on and on and it keeps saying his love endures forever. What is it trying to say? Whenever you see this repetition, it's trying to tell you something. And there's a writer called Paul Tripp who writes about this. It's trying to help us see the heart of God, the intonation that you need to understand for the message, the character behind the message. And he says, there's no reality more radical and foundational to a biblical worldview and a personal sense of identity than this. What is the biblical story? It's the story of a God of love invading the world in the person of his son of love to establish his kingdom of love by a radical sacrifice of love to forgive us in love and to draw us into his family of love, and to send us out as ambassadors of the very same love. The entire hope of fallen humanity rests on this one thing, that there is a Saviour who is eternally steadfast in redeeming, forgiving, reconciling, transforming and delivering love. Without this, the Bible is a book of interesting stories and helpful principles, but is devoid of any power to fix what sin has broken. So you see, you can read the Bible and just do it as a list of rules, but you miss the heart of the one who's calling you to do this. And the heart of the one who's calling you to do this is the God who is love. And all his motivation is because he loves. It's all his motivation. He loves you. And then Paul Tripp goes on to explain the problem with us grasping that. And the problem is this. We have no experience in our lives of this kind of love. You always begin to start understand anything that is new to you from the vantage point of your own experience. All the human love we've experienced has been flawed in some ways, but not God's. His love is perfect and perfectly steadfast forever. And none of us have ever experienced that in another human being. Even those who love us the most, none of us have ever experienced that. It's the single most stunning reality in the life of a believer. God has placed his love on us and he will never again remove it. There's a reason to continue no matter how hard life seems and how weak you feel. And here is the amazing why as to when you open the scriptures. You long to do what it says because there is someone who loves you with an everlasting love, who understands how you breathe and tick and feel and everything about you and he knows what is going to bring flourishing to your life. He dreams about you. It says in the scriptures he sings over you. He loves you. And it's hard for you to get that because no one in the world can do this as well as your heavenly father because he is your father. Graham and I have just been away on a holiday and for the first time in our whole lives we're away for one of our kids birthdays. I asked him permission. I said I'm sorry I'm going to be away for your birthday and um, but I kept imagining because I'm his parent what can I do though to make his birthday lovely? So chose a present, had it sent to his place and that was exciting, got there early, sends a text, I got a parcel, am I allowed to open it? I said, no, you're not allowed to open it yet, got to wait. But then I thought, but on his birthday, like, I've got to make it fun. So I wonder if anyone does cake deliveries. Well, heaps of them do. You might have all known that, but I didn't know that. Heaps of people who do birthday cake and every other cake you can imagine, deliveries, I thought, well, that will be fun. I'll do it as a surprise. And I reckon I spent an hour searching for the very best cake, and uh, we were actually on a cruise so the internet wasn't great and I chose the one, took a long time, chose what I wanted to write on the top of it, what candles I wanted, etc. And then the internet wasn't working properly and said, sorry, there was a fault. And I thought, oh, no, oh, no, I have to try again. It didn't work again. I thought, Maybe it's the site. So I try and I couldn't find the cake I wanted. I only wanted that one. I was going to try this one again. And it worked. And he got it as a surprise and he was really excited he didn't know like I didn't send him a text I'm thinking about ordering you a cake I'm now on the website looking for a cake I'm thinking now about what I'm going to write on the cake I'm thinking about what color candles you will have I didn't tell him all that because I wanted it to be a surprise and sometimes the God of love in he wants to be a surprise to you he doesn't tell you you pray about something and you think he's doing nothing but he's dreaming, he's planning, he's doing extraordinary things. Now, none of you thought about getting a cake for my son. None of you love him that much. Um, because you're not his parent, but I am. And your Heavenly Father thinks about more about you than any loving parent. And if I will spend an hour to an hour and a half choosing a cake that's now been consumed and how much more does your father love you cuz the only reason i have any sort of love like that for my kids is just because i'm made in the image of god and i've got a bit of that but it's not it's not perfect you can ask them they'll tell you my kids but my father's love is perfect and your father's love is perfect so now we read this passage from there from this viewpoint and that is your why the reason you do it is because you can trust that he loves you perfectly and he's not going to let you down. That's your why. So now we go and see this is why I do it because otherwise these become rules and you just follow them to try to be good. They won't make you good but they will bring you life. So verse 4 says rejoice in the Lord always and then he repeats it because this is really important. Anything that's important is repeated over and over again. you ever been in an apartment building when the fire alarm goes off? And it says evacuate, 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 evacuate evacuate a thousand times. That's the message to get out of the building. So rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, rejoice. Now this word rejoice, which you kind of know what it means, but it comes from being cheerful or full of cheer, full of cheer, always. That means on your good days and on your bad days, rejoice and you find that they find that really difficult because and I'm not saying that you say to others, you know if someone says, "I'm going through a really hard time, you know I just lost my job, rejoice, just rejoice. It doesn't really work. This is your choice to do this. But why? You have to understand your why. And the why is that you have a father who never leaves you or forsakes you. And if you can meditate on his love in the middle of it, if you can understand that when you're going through a tough time, as, as someone who loves someone, you would not allow anyone to go through a tough time unless you knew that you could redeem it into something good if they would give it to you. And therefore... When you rejoice, it's rejoicing because you have this Father who has rescued you and who loves you and who promises that he will work all things together for good for those who love him and are called according to his purposes. So it means you surrender everything to him and you can trust him. And as it says in Psalm 23, Though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I I will fear no evil, for you are with me. I'm walking through it. I'm going to come out to something really good. And I actually believe that the level of joy you will get will be kind of compared to the level of sorrow you're going through you can see that with jesus that the the level of pain and suffering he went through was was deep but the level of victory was overwhelming when he was when he was raised from the dead and then he was able to bring the whole his power into the world and he was able to redeem people and he was able to bring them into the kingdom it's it's an amazing thing and it's the same with your life. He has the ability to redeem any situation, even the ones that you think. You think it's all hopeless, but God is the God of the impossible who brings life to things that look like they were finished. And therefore, you can rejoice in the middle of everything as you look at his love. But you have to, you have to practice meditating on who he is. and This is what you do need to practice to be spiritually fit, the love of God. You have to practice meditating on it and you'll discover there's all sorts of fears and worries in your heart but you've got to keep bringing your mind back to there's a God who loves me. There's a God who loves me. So then it goes on to say, let your gentleness be evident to all the Lord is near, which seems funny in the middle. It seems It's often a verse that people just skip over really quickly because you've got rejoice in the Lord and then this one and then the next one says be anxious about nothing and those two seem to go together. And this, what's this gentleness be evident to all? The Lord is near. What is gentleness? Um, Does it mean like stroking a cat sort of thing, gentleness? Well, it actually means like uh, patient, kind, humble, and it actually comes from a rejoicing person because a person who can rejoice in the love of God in the midst of their grief and sorrow doesn't mean you can't cry, but there's this hope that I have a God who loves me who's going to redeem this situation. They become patient and kind, humble people. They're not anxious, they're not controlling, they're not manipulative and they're actually because in their pain and their sorrow they're willing to surrender everything to the Lord a humility comes about them where they bring that same kind of patience and kindness that Jesus shows us to other people. It's a natural response. You become more like Jesus to other people when you are resting in his love in your own personal life. And so you let the gentleness be evident to all because the Lord is near you, very close to you. You don't have to worry about things. So then it builds on that and it says this. Do not be anxious about anything. But in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. Now do not be anxious for anything. Disclaimer. Don't think because I'm preaching this message that I've got this all worked out perfectly, okay? Otherwise I would be lying because this is a lifelong journey of learning to surrender your life to the love of God. And don't you hate it? Like Jesus actually says, don't worry. He says, don't be anxious, don't worry. It's all through the Scriptures. But don't you hate it when you're telling someone you're really worried about something and they go, don't worry? And do you say, oh, okay, that's right, I won't worry. You don't do that you actually feel annoyed. And the reason you feel annoyed annoyed, is that they didn't take the time to understand your worries. But God does. If you look at this whole verse, it says, "Don't, don't be anxious about anything, but in every situation, come and talk to God. Pour out your heart to him. So he actually listens. So little tip, if someone says, I'm worried about something, don't say, well, the Bible says, don't be anxious. Say, Tell me more about your worries. I care for you. Let your gentleness be evident to them. Let them unpack a little bit to you. But when you're anxious about something, it means that you don't feel safe. You don't really, in the depth of your being, believe that there is a God who will redeem even this. And sometimes you don't know how He's going to do it. And sometimes it seems impossible for Him to bring any good out of it anyway. And so you look at yourself honestly and say, because I am anxious, the logical conclusion is I'm not trusting totally in the love of God in this situation. But here's what you do do. In every situation, by prayer and petition. Now, petition means to ask. We all know that because we sign petitions saying we want this to happen. So this word prayer here can really, the root word of it is, is more akin to, to worship. This is a word that we probably don't really get that much. Like we come in we sing songs of worship. It doesn't actually mean we're worshiping. So the worship worship actually comes from something that you know you really need to fill you. And sometimes it's the thing. Therefore, sometimes you hear people say, we worship lots of other things, and uh, we think, no, I don't." but you, you have these things that you think you need. Like you might think like you need to win the lottery. It would make your life really, really happy. Well, Graeme read an article last week about a Scottish woman who ran like 100 million or something like that. And uh, 10 years later, her marriage has fallen apart. None of the children talk to each other. Her parents don't talk to her because the amount of money consumed all of them. And uh, so sometimes but you dream of these things, you know how you think, if I had that, my life would be satisfied. And sometimes you get something that's great, and it doesn't mean that God doesn't, God does want to give you delightful things, relationships, friendships, experiences, but they're a taste of who He is. They're not Him. And it's like everyone has those things. I was um, talking to some people the other day, and this guy was talking about new staff coming onto his team, and they had a get to know you sort of game where you said, if you could relive one day of your life, what would it be? And I always found that difficult because I think if you've got to of it, you already know what's going to happen, so it's not going to feel the same anymore. But anyway, after a while, I guess don't be so intense, Sue. Just like think of a fun day that you liked and just say what it is. I analysed it too much. And, um, and I remembered when Graham and I first got married, we had this dream that when we had children, we wanted to take them over to, to Europe and we spent 14 years planning for that and we eventually did that. And um, But there was little things that we really wanted to do. And uh, one thing for me was to, something I'd never done, was to go to the West End of London and see a musical. I was really excited about that. And... Um, we got there, we got our tickets to see Oliver and we all sat in the theatre and then the, um, the orchestra started like probably the first chord of the overture and I burst into tears because I was so happy, I was so excited, everyone else in my family's just sitting there. I thought, yes, it's really exciting to me. But it didn't give me eternal life, it was just a fun day. I still remember it as being a fun day and uh, but that was a long time ago now. And you've all had days that were really lovely, but they don't sustain you for life. But there is this one who will fill you. you know, and it might not be a musical for you. It might be something else. When Graham and I were in New Zealand, we went to the All Blacks Experience in Auckland. And if you're a, a rugby fan, you think that was amazing. And actually, it was amazing. I thought it was amazing. But Graham was amazed, amazed, like taking photos of everything the whole time. So... He loved it. Everyone has these things that we love. And they're kind of you're meant to love these things. That's how you're created. But there is this God who is the culmination of all those things. So when it says prayer, it doesn't just mean like asking. It means come to him and meditate on his love. Meditate on his love. So when we come and we sing at the start, it's it's not just the start of the service. It's like, okay, everyone, come and let's meditate on his love. Let's meditate on his love. As you're singing my fear doesn't stand a chance when I stand in your love. Okay, does it? Lord, fill me with your love again and again and again so I know that that doesn't happen. This is what the prayer is. It's like setting your affections and understanding his immense love for you And so you come with prayer and petition and thanksgiving. And the thanksgiving is incredibly important because when you come and you pour out your heart to him and then you uh, ask him to remind you, help me, Lord, to understand your love. And this is what I need and this is what I'm going through. and Now I'm going to thank you because you hear me. I don't even see the answer yet, but I thank you that I've put it into your hands and you are the God who loves me. Thank you, and I'm going to keep thanking you, and that's how you present your request to God. And then this amazing miracle happens, and this is how you know you've done it because it says the peace of God which transcends all understanding. In other words, why am I so peaceful? You know those feelings you get if you've ever been able to do this, to not be anxious and to meditate on the love of God so much that regardless of the fact that everything around you is a mess, peace fills your heart. You think, I don't even get it seems weirdly strange that I am peaceful, but I am. That's what it means when it says it transcends understanding. It's just a way of saying it's illogical. It guards your heart and mind. And so this word guard is like a warrior's duty. It's an active word. It's like your mind is being guarded because your mind will pull you down if it's not fixed on the love of God. And you will start to imagine all other sorts of things. It guards your heart and mind. And and the word heart in the Scriptures doesn't just mean your feelings. It also means your reason and your intellect. So your heart and your mind is not just the way you're feeling about the situation, but the way you're looking at it suddenly becomes filled with the love of God. And fear is the opposite of faith. And everything that Jesus is looking for is faith in us because that's what transforms our lives. And then it goes on to say this. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Now sometimes you can think that means like, okay, sit down. I've got to think of something excellent. What could it be? I've got to think of something pure. What could it be? But I don't think it means that because this word think comes from a Greek word logizomai, from which we get the word logic, logical, compute, take into account, reckon, reason to a logical conclusion. And if you see where it's Written throughout the scriptures, this word it kind of means because of all this, you can logically compute this, okay? So if you think of it like this, this is what it's saying. So if you've ever gone through a bad time or or you're even worried about something, your mind can suddenly start to jump and predict a really bad future. Has anyone ever done that? Hmm. I had someone once who said they had a pain in their stomach and their mind was predicting the colour of their coffin. Because they've gone from this, to this, to this, to this, to this, to this, okay. And uh, that's what we all do. Um, We fear things and then our mind logically predicts things and we think that's normal. But God is giving us a new normal and that is this. Because of his love for you, logically predict good things. So whatever you're going through, If your mind is not logically predicting that because of the love of God, this is how it's logical, you have a God who loves you enough to send his Son into the world to identify it with you, to give his life on a cross for you and suffer a painful death, to be buried for three days, to rise again from the dead, to ascend into heaven, to send his Spirit on all who would be willing to receive him. So logically you can predict that if you give anything to God, he is going to bring good out of it. That is logical. It's very logical. People can say, well, it's illogical to trust in God. Not when you know him. It's very logical to expect something really good to happen once you know him. You know, you think of people you know who are really, really trustworthy and it's logical for you to expect that if you called them for help, they would help you. Well, how much more the God who loves you enough to give his life for you, it's logical. Therefore, think about excellent things just predicting them and when a thought comes into your mind is this is going to go really really bad say well that is illogical because of the God I know who loves me it's an illogical thought that I would even think that he would intentionally bring evil into my life he, if he has allowed something to happen in your life or my life it's because he's going to bring something even better out of it and that is logical because you see that all through the Scriptures, anyone who goes through a tough time, God brings something amazing out of it. It's logical. There's a, um, and then it finishes off with this. Whatever you have learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put it into practice. And the God of peace, he is the God of peace. You don't have to formulate peace in yourself. He's the God of peace. And you can just say, please be my peace. And he will be your peace. He's not just peaceful. He's the God of peace. He will be with you, with you, for you, in you. There's a a story I read about a Jesuit priest called Walter Chiswick. He was an American-Polish man. And uh, before World War II he went to Rome to study Russian because he felt that he was going, going to be called to minister in Russia. And he first got sent to Poland and... War broke out and during the war, when the churches were being shut down, when the Russians had invaded Poland, he and two other Jesuit priests were called to go into Russia and minister to people sort of um, secretly and they were caught and he was put into solitary confinement and he was tortured and he was called a Vatican spy. And he describes his journey of um, thinking that, He knew how to rely on God and realised that he was still controlling his own life. And so I just want to read this little bit of his story. So he's been tortured and he's forced to sign a fake dossier. And he says, after signing the fake dossier, Chizek was expected to cooperate with the communists. The priest found himself afraid amidst spiritual desolation. If you've ever felt afraid and in spiritual desolation, you're in good company. Most of us have been there. At one point, he said the blackness and hopelessness overwhelmed him. Maybe you can relate to that. Blackness and hopelessness overwhelming you. He could only see two possibilities, cooperation with the communists or execution. And sometimes you can only see two possibilities, but there is always a third one. For that one moment, the Jesuit had lost all hope and faith in God. He had lost the sight of God. He was ashamed. What did he do? He turned immediately to our Lord whom he had forgotten. I had to pray that he would never let me fail to remember him and trust in him. I pleaded my helplessness because, you see, sometimes you can think, no, I will never fail you. Well, one of Jesus' friends, Peter, said this and he did. You can't even trust in yourself to do that, you know. I pleaded my helplessness to face the future without him. I told him that my own abilities were now bankrupt and he was my only hope. And sometimes when you go through a tough time, it's the first time in your life that you realise that your own abilities are bankrupt. It's the first time you realise that you don't even have the ability to have faith without him. You don't even have the ability to breathe without him. You don't have the ability to do all the things that you think you can do on a good day without him. And sometimes your bankruptcy is the moment that you realise, I need to surrender everything to him because I can't do it. Almost immediately, Father Chiswick was bolstered by the thoughts. This is what God does when you come to him and say, Lord, I don't know what to do. Suddenly he speaks, even in your thoughts. He was bolstered by the thoughts of our Lord's agony in the garden. Jesus said, not my will but your will be done. It was total self-surrender a stripping away of all human fears, of all human doubts about his own abilities to withstand the passion of every last shred of self, including self-doubt. He calls this realisation a conversion to a life, to live a total self-abandonment to God's will. I think some of us think we have become followers of Jesus when we actually haven't surrendered our lives to him, we just like the feeling of his loving community. And it's actually a call to each one of us to surrender every aspect of our lives to him, to his love, to trust in his love. He was left with peace and clarity, in total trust of our Lord rather than himself no danger could threaten me no fear could shake me except the fear of losing sight of him the future hidden as it was was hidden in his will and therefore acceptable to me no matter what it might bring and here's the amazing thing that happened the interrogator recognized the change in him quickly there was no fear there was a peaceful strength When pushed to cooperation with the communists, particularly to return to Rome and act as a Soviet spy, the priest simply refused. With the threat of execution, the priest peacefully abandoned himself to our Lord. I think I smiled, he said. I knew then I had won. No hold on him. He wasn't executed, by the way. He was imprisoned for quite a long time, but he he went back to America and he... And God had taught him a lot that he could teach people about what it really means to know Jesus. And so to understand the intonation and the character of someone, I just want to read one last passage to finish up. This is Jesus. And he says, If any of you wants to be my follower, you must give up your own way. Take up your cross and follow me. And sometimes we think that's angry. It's not angry. It's like, I love you. I want you to flourish. If you want to flourish... Stop trying to do it all by yourself. If you try to hang on to your life, you will lose it. But if you give up your life for my sake and for the sake of the good news, you will save it. And what do you benefit if you gain the whole world but lose your own soul? And in the message translation, it says like this, anyone who intends to come with me has to let me lead. You're not in the driver's seat. I am. Don't run from suffering. Embrace it. Follow me and I'll show you how. I'll show you how. Self-help is no help at all. Self-sacrifice is the way, my way, to saving yourself, your true self. What good would it do to get everything you want and lose you, the real you? What could you ever trade your soul for? Jesus asked you that question. What could you ever trade your soul for? And so what he's calling us to do is to surrender to his love and to trust him. And I'm going to call the worship team up now because in a moment we are going to declare that over ourselves. And so the question for each one of us, with the life that you have been given, the precious life that you've been given, um, that only you can do something with, that you're responsible for, you have a God who's saying to you, will you trust me? Will you trust me so that you can rejoice in me always? Will you trust me? Do you believe that I love you? And I want to say that none of us can fully believe that he loves us without even his help to do that. So there's no spiritual superiority in saying I can do this because it's not true. Only God can allow you to do that. And it's abandoning yourself to him and saying I will trust you and how you'll be tested on that is things will happen and you'll suddenly think I don't think think he loves me in this situation and you come back to him and say help me Lord believe that you love me. So I'd love to invite you to stand and I just want to pray over all of us. And it's your life, it's your soul, it's your eternity, it's not mine. But my encouragement to you is that there is a God who loves you and if you trust day by day, you could say, look, I've been a Christian for years but I'm saying to you, it is a daily surrender. Let's pray. Thank you, Lord. As each one of us stands here today, you love us with an everlasting love. You created us. And you say, let me redeem you and transform you day by day. And Father, I pray for each one of us, help us to understand your love more, to experience your love more, to see your love more, to believe in your love more, to trust in your love more. And when we have our down moments and our suffering moments and our fearful moments and our dark nights, May we hear your voice of love speaking into our hearts, saying, I've never left you. I will not forsake you. I will redeem you with my love. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to our Sunday podcast. If you enjoyed it, either subscribe or follow on the podcast app that you use to keep up to date on when our next Sunday podcast gets released. Have a safe and blessed week.